And now I will read our scripture for the night, which is from John 14, verses 18 through 23. And that's, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Issachariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, can we just say Nia Preacher Girl? Because let's go. I'm so proud of you. Uh, For those of you that I don't know, my name is Kirsten, and um, I get the privilege of working here on staff. I did that last time with the mic. Um, So this semester, we have been going through a sermon series called Home, where we've just been talking about our own longings of home. We've been talking about different people in the Old Testament and how they wander and look for home. We've been talking about our own homelessness. Um, And tonight, we are talking about God making his home in us. Um, But because of my season of life, this may turn into a birth control sermon because you're going to get a lot of pregnancy (laughs) talk about. Um, So if it's not obvious, I have a human growing inside of me. um, And it affects literally everything every part of my day, every joint of my body. Uh, It affects how much I sleep, how much I pee. It affects the clothes I wear, the workouts I can or can't do. It affects the things that I think I can fit behind, which I can't. (laughs) But literally everything I do is affected by this baby growing inside of me. And because she likes to move a whole lot, I'm keenly aware that she's there. And I'm so aware of my responsibility to her as host and as mom. So in this passage, when we're told that the spirit, that God himself makes a home within us, we too have a responsibility. We too are affected in every way by him making a home within us. We also have a responsibility as host and as family to the spirit living in us. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, What does it look like for us to have God make his home within us, and how does that change us? So let's pray. Um, Father God, would you um, make us so aware of your presence at home in us? Thank you that this is what you have chosen For us, may we be people that embrace it. We pray this in your name. Amen. Um, Okay, so before I talk about um, just what it looks like for us to respond, I want to just kind of catch you up on, like, why we are 
chosen to be the inhabitants, the home of God himself. Um, it wasn't just overnight that Jesus in this passage was like, I think I'll make my home in these people. Uh, we have stories in the Old Testament of God coming and dwelling in different places and different people temporarily. We have stories of prophecies that God would come and dwell and live among us. But those prophecies weren't fulfilled until us, until Jesus. So we are the fulfillment of these prophecies that God would come and make his home in his temple in us. So we have at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, God dwelling, walking with Adam and Eve. But then sin enters the world and that intimacy was no longer But God would still show up and dwell with his people. Moses asked him, okay, if I'm going to go lead these people in the wilderness, would you come with me? So he came with a pillar of fire and smoke. But then these people also decided to build this thing called a tabernacle, which is like a temple that was a tent that they would move around. But once again, God would just come there sometimes. And only certain people would be able to meet God in this place, these high priests. And then later on, this king ended up building a more permanent resident for God. It was called a temple. But same deal, God didn't live there forever. And only certain people could come in, these high priests, and meet with him on behalf of everybody else. God's spirit would come and dwell in prophets and in kings, but those spirits, that spirit would also leave. We have a psalm where this King David recounts, he's like, God, please don't take your spirit from me. Because he had seen the spirit come into another king and leave. The people of the Old Testament longed so much for God to come and dwell, for these prophecies to come true. These promises that God said, hey, I will come and dwell among you. I will be with you always. They wanted it so bad. They wanted it so bad that they spent so much time. We have pages and pages in scripture of how the temple was built, how the tabernacle shall be built, how they were to care for these places once they were built. They cared so much about God dwelling amongst them. I, can't, I like literally can only imagine them like showing up today and being like, I had no idea this is what this is going to look like. Because surely they thought God dwelling among them, making his home among them, was going to look like a temple. It gets me curious at the things that I like, oh, God's promised me this, here's what it's going to look like. And it probably does not look like that at all the way he has planned. Even when Jesus comes to earth, we're told in the beginning of one of the Gospels of John that Jesus came and dwelt among us, that he moved into our neighborhood. But that wasn't even the end. Jesus came not just to be the only way that God would dwell with us, but he came so that we would be this place that God would make home. He took on sin. He died He resurrected. He became that high priest on our behalf so that God could dwell in us so that we could experience that intimacy with him. Because of Jesus, 
we now get to be the place that God calls home. There's a lot of scripture, especially in First and Second Corinthians, that talk about us being the temple of God, that our bodies are God's temple. And this, these passages are used a lot with talking about sex and talking about eating disorders. And the fact is that we are, our bodies themselves are God's temple, that God actually does live within us that Jesus has made that possible. And this should be like a really big, like, what? <laughs> like, this should be pretty intense to hold on to, to be like, God lives in me. He makes his home in me. I told my four-year-old that God may, like, that God was going to live in him and all that, and months ago and Jack's like freaked out he was like I don't want something living in me like that should feel like crazy when you think about it um, I also had a former boss who his son had just been told that Jesus lived in him and his heart and then he had a really big poop and started crying because he was convinced that he had pooped out Jesus but that for real, like we kind of blow past this, that like, oh, it's no big deal, God lives in us. But if we're thinking about it in the mind of a child, like this is a really big deal. And though it is intense, it's a gift. And it is a gift that comes with a lot of responsibility. Just like being a mom to this baby girl is going to come with a lot of responsibility caring for her, parenting her, loving her. She's going to be a gift and already is somebody that is changing my whole family from the inside out. Same with you. When God makes his home within you, this is a gift that does come with responsibility. That's a gift that's changing you from the inside out and those around you. So, he lives in you. What do you do with that? How do you respond? What does that look like? Well, first, we respond as a host. And that seems weird, right? Like we're hosting God, like throwing this party for him. But when we think about what hosts do, it's a lot of what we do with him living in us. These passages that talk about us as being these temples of God it's encouraging us to care for the space that God is going to live in. If he's living in these spaces, why would we treat them poorly? Why would we trash them? Why would we talk down about them? And it's not just us as individuals who are like, it's just me, this temple of God. No, it's all of us. It's this plural language that's being used as well. So why would we trash and talk down and treat other people and their bodies and who they are as nothing other than the temple of the living God. But instead, we would be uplifting them and caring for them. Have you ever thrown a party and just talked, like, yeah, I'm going to throw this party, but it's at this really, really terrible place. It's, like, so ugly and nasty. No. He, <laughs> like, nobody would show up. Like, we, <laughs> those of you that go to winter retreat, we go to this place called Dogwood Lodge, and Dogwood Lodge is not, like, a luxurious lodge, but we're not advertising that to you guys, being like, this place is disgusting. 
No, like we are, <laughs> we're talking about the parts of it that we love and we're caring for this space. We go there, we make it beautiful, we don't just trash it. We care for the places and the spaces that we host people in. All right, what, I'm sure every one of you at some point in your life have hosted something, hosted a dinner or party. So what are some things, and you can share out loud or share with your neighbor, what are some things that you kind of get obsessed with when you host a party or the things that you think are really important to do when you're the host? So you can shout them out or just tell your friend next to you. Um, we, host, we host a ton here at the house, and so we talk a lot, especially in training with our interns about hosting, and one of the big things we talk about, um, we talk about making space. So we talk about making space, curating space for whatever the intention and the purpose of the event is. So for instance, on Tuesday night, we want to make space for you guys to worship and respond to God. So yes, we spend hours talking about what it smells like in here. How we don't want it to, we want it to smell like home, but we don't want it to be overwhelming. We want people to be invited in, but not to fall asleep. We don't want it to be too masculine, too feminine. We care about making space for you guys to worship God. In the same way, as we host God who's making his home in us, we must be making space for him. We're told when he makes his home in us, he brings his fullness, the fullness of God, which is a lot, a lot of space taking on that end. So we must create that space for him because we naturally want to fill everything up, fill it up with busyness and things and ideas so we must create that space because when we do that is when he can transform us and change us and we can experience his abundance. And the ways that we create this space, these are just ways that we're connecting with God. So what's really kind of him is he's not like, hey, I'm going to be in this house and like come here to me and find ways to connect, only like connect with me in these ways. He's like, I'm coming into your home, into your space, and I want to connect with you in the way that you, who you are. So some of you are outdoorsy. Make space to connect with God outside. You may love journaling. You may love reading. You may love conversation. Maybe you just get so filled with control and busyness that maybe you connect with God in silence and solitude. We make space in our heads to think about God and our hearts to feel him and our ears to hear him. We make space so that he can fill it. We're not like the Buddhists where we're making space just to be empty, but we want to be filled. But unfortunately, we hate that feeling of, of not being full of something. 
So when we experience pain, loneliness, anything that may make us feel a little bit empty, we do everything we can to fill it with something else. So we don't have that space. We fill it with romance. We fill it with food. We fill it with blaming. We fill it with wasting. We find all these surrogate things to fill ourselves when God is saying, hey, you are meant to be filled, but you're meant to be filled by me, not by all these other things. So as hosts, what we do is we make space. Sometimes those things we fill our lives with feel like they're part of our home. We don't know how to get rid of them. It's like a 30-year-old that's still living with their parents, and their parents are like, I don't know how to get rid of them. They're just here. This commentary I was reading says, sin is a strategy to distract from filling with the fullness of God. So let's not have sin distract us from being filled with God himself. Because when he fills us, those couch surfers don't quite feel as much at home. And as he fills us, we're transformed. We're changed. The benediction that you'll hear at the very end um, that we read every week actually starts a little bit earlier in Ephesians and it begins by saying that God will make his home within us when we trust in him. As we trust in him, we're rooted even deeper and we're strengthened. And then as we're strengthened, we begin to experience and know the love of God in an even deeper, bigger way. And then as we know the love of God, that is when we are filled with the fullness of God. So we're transformed because we trust in him. He makes home in us. And we're transformed by being rooted and strengthened by him and knowing and experiencing his love. That is what transformation looks like in us. Plain and simple, we're created to live out of God's fullness. But we want to fill it with everything else. But when we let the fullness of Christ make his home within us, we are changed and transformed. So we must make space that he can fill. And the good news is when you begin to let him fill you up, you don't want all the other junk. Like, I love snacks and eating a lot of snacks, but right now I'm way too full to eat all of the snacks. I'm like, I don't really need it right now. Because when you're full, you don't want all the other stuff. And you guys know this, like, we're transformed from the inside out, that the work is happening within you. So for me, I'm not saying like, okay, I'm going to really want a smoothie, so that's going to make my baby grow. No, the baby inside of me is saying, I really want a smoothie, and is changing my behaviors and changing what I'm doing because of what's going on. Same with you. You're not just managing behaviors, trying to force yourself to change. No, you're letting him transform you from the inside, and that's going to come out. It is what he is doing. It is that space he is filling that is changing you. And some of the trick, though, it's, it's 
just reminding ourselves of what the reality is, of reminding ourselves that God is actually present with us. This monk named Brother Lawrence talks about practicing the presence of God, remembering that he is within us. Just like if you hosted a party, if you weren't present there, you're going to host a really bad party. Like, but if you're present, you're going to know that people are hungry. You're going to know that it's too hot or too cold. You're going to know if the music's too loud or too quiet. You're going to know if somebody's alone. As a host, we are present with our people. And when we can be present, we embrace them and we know what they need and we can respond to those things. So with God, some of it is really, like I said, just practicing his presence, remembering that he said that you who proclaim Jesus as Lord, that he has made his home in you. So just reminding yourself of that. And those reminders can come in like fun ways where like you wear like a rubber band on your wrist and you just click the rubber band like, okay, God dwells in me. Or connecting it to sounds, being like, okay, every time I hear a bird, God lives in me. It can be an image that you hold on to. That, okay, I'm just going to remember this image to remember that God is with me. Practicing God's presence is reminding ourselves that he's there. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. So don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Practice his presence. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognizing what he wants from you and quickly responding to it. When you practice the presence of God, you are changed from the inside out and you're able to readily recognize what he wants from you and respond to it. How many of you have ever lost your keys? And yes, I have a tile for that reason. But you've lost your keys and it feels like you've searched for it for an hour and guess what? Your keys are in your pocket. You're so used to your keys being in your pocket that you don't even think about them being there anymore. So you search everywhere else for them, but they're on you the whole time. Don't we do this with God? That we're so used to just, yeah, of course he's within me. We don't recognize that. And we search everywhere else when all along he is right there with us. As we practice the presence of God, as we embrace him, we begin to be people that recognize what he wants. And we act out of that, and this marks us as God's people. But it doesn't just end with us being a host. God doesn't just, like, come over for dinner or stay in our spare bedroom. No, he's making his home within us and not a temporary one. 
In our passage, he tells the disciples, he's like, I'm not leaving you as orphans. This home he's making in us is a home that is family. Uh, Most of us, the reason that we call a house a home is not just because we really like that actual house. It's because of the family that we've experienced there, the friends we've experienced. And this is the kind of home that God is making in you, a home that is family. And this home, like I said, is not just a temporary one. The word he uses for home is abode, and abode is the opposite of temporary. That when he says he's never leaving us or forsaking us, that is what that home looks like, is it's forever. When we go to Ecuador on mission trips, the orphanage we work with talks about these kids finding their forever families, a family that will not leave them, that will not just be a part-time family, but one that will be there forever. So the disciples that heard Jesus say these words when he said, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you, that for them is huge because guess what? Jesus was about to be arrested, killed, buried. And Jesus is saying, hey, but I'm making my home in you and I'm that, that home cannot be taken. I cannot be taken from you. I cannot be killed and destroyed and buried. That this spirit in you is there forever. What a comfort that had to be. And even as Jesus said, hey, I'm, after he resurrected, and then he ascended and he left. He said, I'm not actually just like leaving you with somebody else. Something else, I'm leaving you with myself. Something that can't be taken. And there's a lot of things about the Holy Spirit that I could talk about. Um, but what Jesus is saying here is that the Holy Spirit is part of him this triune God. So he, Jesus, says we are going to make our homes within you. He's saying, I am part of that. I'm not just leaving. I'm not leaving you with somebody else. I am with you. So this triune Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that is family is now making its family and home within each of us that we're a part of that. It's very wild to try to think about. And so that is how we actually get to experience this intimacy with God, this family with God, because this family is now moved into us. Father, Son, and Spirit in us, and and this relationship, this family is one that wants to know all about your life. So like what Nia was talking about, realizing that she's wanted. The ups and the downs and the exciting and the boring That's the kind of family that is making its home within you. The the family that comes to your games, that invites you to do things alongside of them that they love, that wants to participate in the things that you love. That is the kind of home that is being made in you. My kids are still at the age where it's, like, hard to drag anything out of them and, like, how their day was. I literally probably every other day be like, so, Jax, you just stared at a wall all day? Like, that's what you did? Um, But when he shares with me, like, hey, I built this volcano today at school. I get so excited. 
when he tells me he wants to go on a date with me, when he wants to come and to work with me, when he wants me to play cars with him, those things over, make me overjoyed. Even when he tells me about being mean to his sister or spilling something, I want to be a part of all of those things. And that's what God wants with you. Even the bad, even the hard. And I hope a word of comfort is that God moves in, he makes his home in you, and so he can't kick you out of his home. He's in yours. So even when things aren't pretty, he's made his home within you. And there's something that we experience when we know something's forever. When we know this isn't just temporary. I, I obviously like, know a lot of people that get engaged as college ministry continues to people get older and get married. And the interesting thing that I see is after people get engaged about a week or so later, they get in a really big fight. And I think they get in a really big fight because they finally feel this freedom to let the ugly out because that person is going to be with them forever. God's not leaving you. He's made his home forever with you. So you have the freedom to let even the ugly out. But unfortunately, we don't always live like this. We don't always live as children of God, but we continue to live as orphans. Some of these things that we do when we live as orphans, we idolize control, we don't rely on others, we're suspicious we feel like we need to pay everyone back. We're fearful of disappointing others, of doing, we do anything we can to avoid pain. We strive for praise, comparison, struggle with authority, we're distant. This book I'm reading says that when we act as an orphan, we are like a stray animal who the closer anybody gets, the more likely that we'll bite them. But really, we're in desperate need of being cared for. And I can identify with a lot of these qualities. But when we allow God to fill us, to transform us, he transforms us into more of a child, less of an orphan. So things you can expect to see come out of your life if you are letting him fill you is you'll be more trusting. You'll enter into hard places You'll have another positive outlook on things. You'll honor others. You'll be willing to experience intimacy. You'll bless people. You'll take risks, accept gifts. You'll experience gratitude. See others as part of your life as for you, not against you. You'll be transformed more into a child and then from there into that of a priest. So the priests were the ones that would, in the Old Testament, go into the temple. They would dwell with God there. And so not only is he saying, okay, I had this then. He's like, these are glimpses of what you guys are becoming. These priests are the people I want to turn you and transform you into. We're told that we are his spiritual temple 
that we are being made into his priests. So as we recognize God as Father, that we are no longer orphans, we become children and priests. What does a priest look like? They look like people that lead other people to God, a.k.a. hosts who are inviting other people to embrace God. They look like people that enter into hardships with others and help people connect with God in new ways, helping people practice the presence of God. They help people define vision and mission for their lives, showing people the space that God is transforming within them. The heart of a priest is one of empathy and compassion, freedom, forgiveness, storytelling. A priest walks people into truth. I want to share all of these qualities of what a priest looks like and what a child looks like because these are the things that you are becoming as you let God make his home in you. These are the things that you can expect to see, that you can envision and picture yourself looking like when you let him take up that space. So, are you letting him fill you? Are you letting him take up that space? I am definitely that person that it takes me a really long time to like put things up on the wall when I move in someplace. Like there's still a chunk of my house that isn't painted. I still have like holes where curtains need to go. But you know what that feels like. When you actually put your stuff on the walls, it makes it feel like yours, your home. You've done without your dorms. You put things on the wall. Okay, this is mine. It looks like me. Or you've experienced the opposite when your parents turn your childhood bedroom into like the guest room. You're like, it's not mine. It's not mine anymore. Does what's happening inside of you look more like God? Is that space being transformed into something that looks like him? When you let that happen, when you embrace it, you are transformed in the fullness of Christ that moves in, then becomes to come out of you. And that fullness spreads onto other people and you're able to love them in a whole new way. As we recognize that God lives in us, we are hosts that create space, that embrace God, that practice his presence. We live as children who trust in God we live as priests that invite people into truth. Because the Spirit lives in you, you have the comforter of, of everything within you. You have his power, his discernment, his wisdom, his conviction, his love right here with you. And if having the Spirit in you is anything like having this baby in you, pokes and prods at you, saying, give me more space. I need to spread out. I need more room. Let's go. He's talking to you. He wants to do big things with you. He wants to comfort you. So, this week... Would you embrace being a pregnant mom? 
And would you, Christian, know that God has made his home in you? He wants to fill you with all his fullness. We're going to take a couple minutes, and um, I want you to spend time reflecting on this, just letting that sink in, that God has made his home in you, that the Spirit lives within you. And there's a lady at Jason's church, and she has this practice where she has people like get a sucker and walk around and be like, God's with me, and suck on the sucker. So you guys each have a sucker um, below your chair. So if you would like to unwrap that sucker right now as you meditate on this fact, you're welcome to. You also can just take it home with you. But in the next couple minutes, I want you to sit in this, that the Holy Spirit, the triune God, has made his home within you if you are proclaiming Jesus as Lord. I'll close this in prayer in a couple minutes. Father God, um, thank you that your spirit has chosen to make its home within us. Would you as comforter, would you as advocate, would you as our friend, Remind us that you are not leaving us or forsaking us, that you are with us, that you are in this community, that you are in the people of God, and that you would have us be filled and overflowing with you. Allow us to make space for that. Allow us to be reminded of that. Thank you that you have chosen to make your home not in a physical house, but in each of us. We pray all this in your name. Amen.